podcast is brought to you by HCN, your source for the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Funk Radio. You're welcome to a mouthful of food. I'm uh, I'm one of your hosts, Peter, and I'm eating bread. Wait, like literally just eating bread I by am itself? Eating, well, I saw it in the kitchen. I thought it looks good. So, are, are you like a duck? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm Kyle, and I'm not eating bread. And we have a special funky guest joining us today. <laughs> Uh, hello, this is Jose. I'm over at the um, Celluloid Critics podcast here on the Eighth Circuit, and as well as I edit and sometimes guest host on Couch Potatoes. Two very oh, good that's, podcasts to listen that's to. That's the one with Liz Reblin, right? Right. Yeah. I yeah. think they're both with her, right? Am I mm-hmm. mistaken? Yeah. Okay. Cool. And she's been on the show a couple times as well, so. Yeah. Fun stuff. So, mm-hmm. if you listeners get sick of listening to this, you can. Press the stop button on your device, <laughs> and you can listen to either Couch Potatoes or Celluloid Critics. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. So Kyle, um, yes. what is our topic for today? Um, today, not bread. yes, not bread, unfortunately. <laughs> um, today we thought a fun topic would be to discuss um, bands that only released a single album, just because there's not many of them out there. And we thought it was, like, this phenomenon was, like, really interesting, like, what causes a band to do that, like, mm-hmm. and so we were like, okay, let's see what funk and soul bands that we know of within the, our genre that we talk about that um, do this, but I mean, obviously we're probably going to end up talking about other uh, bands and genres as well, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's just an interesting thing to think about, because you always hear about, like, one-hit wonders and blah, 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 but rarely do those one-hit wonders only really release one album. They were always trying yeah. to reproduce that hit. And so they're always releasing album after album, trying to recapture the glory that they may have gotten from one song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's other bands, obviously, that release uh, hit after hit after hit, and obviously right. have multiple albums as well. Actually, the way, um, the way you were just describing that is... Um, it just made me think of the bands who release one album and then never do it again. Mm-hmm. It's almost. It kind of reminds me, for some reason, of um, the developer of Flappy Bird. For some reason, <laughs> because oh, yeah. he made that one game and it was really popular. But instead of trying to make another game, or whatever, or even keep that game up for more than a week, he kind right. of well, got suppo- scared of getting famous or something and then stopped. Supposedly, the he said or someone said. I don't know if it's a, uh, if it's true or not that the game is being going to be put back up in August. Okay. That's I don't, know if this, I don't know if this is some master genius marketing plan by this guy <laughs> to get hype created for the game and then release it and then even more people will download it. He'll probably charge for it this time or something. Watch. But he's probably gonna. That'd be a terrible strategy though, because in the meantime, and then like the nine months or whatever that it's been down, like other people are just making clones of it and making money off that. True. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so funny. That after that game came came out. By the way, I played it for like all of five minutes. I said f this and threw my phone. <laughs> um, it's so funny how many just like unabashed copies of that game came out 
especially on Android, even more so than iPhone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, how uninspired it made me realize, like, 90% of the crap that on it, that is on either Google Play or mm. the Apple App Store is. And it, well, just it wasn't even really the first sad. game of its kind, either. I mean, that kind of no. game has been around for a long time. Oh, yeah. It's so. just he, I don't know, maybe he made it free, was the first one to make it free or something. No idea. Yeah. But remember, remember the same controversy we talked about a while back with uh, that Candy Crush game, and how some dude made a game exactly like that, like a year or two before, but it went nowhere, and then they basically copied his game. And oh made yeah. A bunch of money. Yeah. And now he's trying to sue them, but basically he can't because he's they, trying to Candy Crush them. He's trying to crush their candy. <laughs> Put him in the fungin. Really terrible record Ralph reference. <laughs> I'm yeah. I almost choked on my bread when you said that. <laughs> yeah, Peter is a fan of Wreck-It Ralph mostly because don't your siblings like watch that movie like religiously? Well, they, or... they did for some. I watched it religiously too. I like that movie. Ah uh, yeah yeah. <laughs> I can dig it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I guess we should probably start talking about whatever the hell we were actually supposed to talk about. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um. So yeah. So yeah. Me and Peter researched, tried to find some bands within the funk and soul genre that only have one album, which is surprisingly harder than it sounds. Um, yeah, I mean, you would think, because there are a lot of really obscure artists out there in these genres. Mm-hmm. Uh, make no mistake about that. I think finding ones that only made one album, though, so for some reason, is really actually very hard. Mm-hmm. So, like you were saying before, I think a lot of them were really obscure, never really had more than one hit, or even didn't have any real hits. But uh, they still made more than one album, trying multiple times. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting phenomenon in that sense. Um, I guess I'll just talk about one song, or that this is kind of one song that I discovered, uh, and then I later realized that this band had only made one album. Um, the song is called "Play at Your Own Risk," and it's by a group called Planet Patrol. Um, and that only album they made was also called Planet Patrol, and that was in 1983. Um, so this album was produced and organized by early hip-hop um, impresarios Arthur Baker and John Robbie. And uh, Planet Patrol was kind of an intriguing line between electro and classic Motown sound. Um, I would definitely say that like this song, I wouldn't say it's hip-hop per se, but it's, it's kind of definitely like in the time leading up to that. It's like, it's kind of like the Gap Band, how they had those elements of hip-hop in there, but it wasn't straight-up hip-hop hip-hop by wasn't itself. wasn't really, like, rap wasn't really a thing yet. Yeah. But this is the type of music, like, even their singing wasn't rap, isn't rap in this song, but the the music part of it sounds similar to a hip-hop song, kind of. So, um, it's kind of interesting in that sense, because this is kind of before that genre was even really a thing um so the the song has a quintet of vocalists uh led by herb jackson and um really like i said this is their only album so this i i want i cannot think of the other name of uh of the other song from this album that's actually probably at least as popular as this one um and it is pretty good although i the name is completely escaping me right now um but play at your own risk is actually i i think it's a really good song um, and I've really enjoyed it ever since I discovered it, probably almost a year ago now. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of a shame that they didn't make more than one album, because I really like their sound, but <clears throat> um, 
I guess there's not much you can do about it now because they were in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. So um, we, in our new format here, we, we'll have a playlist um, on YouTube, and you can go ahead and listen to this song later down in the YouTube playlist after you listen to our own episode. Um, that's a really good song. Easily one of my favorites from this list. Actually, I think a lot of these songs, actually, personally, I find really uh, the ones that I really like. It's, mm -hmm. it's just too bad that there's only you know one album by these guys. Yeah. There's not really much we can say about these bands, unfortunately, because there's just not that much information on who they were. Tell me about um, it. It took me like an hour to find any information on one of these guys. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, unfortunately, we can't really go into too much depth like we usually do on some of these bands because they're just they're, the information isn't there. We don't we don't know, you know, who they were or even in this case why they broke up after one album. Yeah. I mean, it could have been politics with their record company, for all we know. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they, for whatever reason, had some internal fighting and broke up. So, it's I guess it's kind of a mystery in a lot of these cases what really happened to bands like this because I think sound wise in terms of the type of music they were putting out I think they really had some good promise with this album but it, it kind of intrigues me that they kind of just dropped off the face of the earth after that yeah mm -hmm. yeah Jose can you think of any I mean I'm trying to think the only one I know outside of our list that has a one hit uh, is a one album band that's really famous is the Sex Pistols hmm but I can't really think of any others right now. Uh, well, Can you think of any? I think of one technically. It's because um, whenever I'm going to think into music, like things that aren't heard that much, like usually my first thing goes to anime because the way things are over there, a lot of their idols, like the voice acting idols, they try to make them into like triple threats, like acting, modeling, and singing. Mm. And it usually doesn't always work, but when I was researching, I was looking at oh, it really does turn out better more often than not. But I did find one instance. Um, it was more of um, uh, this band coming together pro with other people. Like, I've heard, like, collaborations and making it their own band for one album. It's, um, uh, they called themselves the Dead Man Wonder Band um, because it, w it went with the show um, titled Dead Man Wonderland, which is a pretty decent show. Okay. And their song is, um, the the big song that they have in there is called One Reason, and that's because it's uh, um, the opening for the show. And the reason I find it interesting is because they sung it in English. Now, mm. a lot of the times, um, Japanese bands will put in English lyrics throughout it, but this one was pure English, and it's done incredibly well, in my opinion. Mm. Like, there are artists in Japan that can do a really good... English accent, know how to enunciate the words, but this one blew me away when I first heard it, and um, so that's all I could think. Like, just this band came together with just a bunch of different people from different bands to do this one thing, and huh. they didn't do many songs for it, I don't think, but that one song that it's really known for really just blows like a lot of stuff out of the water. Hmm. So that was one reason by Dead Man Wonder Band? Yes. Maybe I'll add that onto our list so that you people can listen to that. <laughs> you people. Hmm. <laughs> um, you actually, Jose, you brought something up um, a minute ago that was kind of interesting to me. Um, 
you said that they they try to make these voice actors or whoever in or models into singers right and uh I, I guess that could be one reason why some people only have one album is because maybe they're not singers per se but then someone thinks hey it's a good idea let's try it mm-hmm. and then they just absolutely suck so <laughs> i think it's good that in that case they don't make more than one album because no one wants to listen to that right um I guess that's kind of an option that we didn't really, I wasn't really considering myself. Mm-hmm. Like, the another one that comes to mind is because I came across this by accident was um, this is an English actor, actually, a Norm Lewis. Mm-hmm. He's a big Broadway actor. He was Javert in the 25th anniversary of Les Miserables. He's currently um, the new Phantom in the Phantom of the Opera, but he did release um, one studio album several years ago of him just doing covers, though. I came across this just looking up different songs, and I go, oh, I recognize that name. Hmm. And just looking at this and going, like, you would think that it's trying to branch out to something else, but the way he sings is very different from what you would probably hear on pop charts or regular music. Hmm. It's a very Broadway. It's very so operatic. it's kind of a different, uh, different interpretation than yeah. regular. Huh. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you know of any songs from that album on the top of your head? Uh, the only one I think my favorite from the album is Go the Distance. It's the song from Hercules. And the way oh, he okay. does that song, it's very well done. Like I'm not a huge fan of the movie. I like the song, but this one really made me want to go back and say, hey, maybe I should give the movie another shot. Hmm. Interesting. That was the only song I liked from that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, the movie was okay. I like. Mm-hmm. I like. I remember liking it as a kid because when, right. when did it come out? Like ninety eight or ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah, I was just doing some quick research to see if I could come up with any other one hit wonders. I came up with two others that are kind of famous that I, I'll just mention really quick. Okay. Um, Derek and the Dominoes actually had only one album, uh, Layla, oh, and okay. that's you know that's where Clapton basically started. Or Cotter really started in the Arbors, whatever. Alright. Um, but yeah, in his band Derek and the Dominoes, they released one song called Layla and other sort of love songs, and then they broke off and did their own things. Obviously, Eric Clapton had a very <laughs> lucrative career himself. Hmm. Uh, and then the other one is Death from Above 1979, which is a fairly recent sort of indie, indie rock, garage rock band, and they released one album called You're a Woman, I'm a Machine in 2004. They're more of that sort of, like, early 2000s garage rock, kind of like Strokes and stuff. Hmm. But they were good, so you guys should check those cool. out as well. Um, I guess getting back to some of the ones that we have a little bit more information on. <laughs> Actually, something, something I want to make a note of before we move on. Yeah. Is that something I really noticed um, is that in doing research of bands that only had one album, by far the, the genre that had the most that I found was like punk rock hmm. and um, metal. Those two together easily had way more than any more, any other genres. That's interesting. Um, maybe because they're fighting authority, they don't fight each other and then they break up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, but I mean, I found it really interesting that those genres in particular were really, well-known for having kind of one-off bands like that. Right. Well, it, it's funny you bring that up because um, I, w- I was actually watching this documentary on uh, 
uh, Green Day, and they were talking about how, like, that underground scene that they were a part of for a while, they, that atmosphere, they really like it because they are together there. They're in this lower industry, but when they got signed and were, became this big label, mm-hmm. they, like, one of the struggles they had with is people wouldn't really talk to them. Like, either they would say they that Green Day sold out, or just mm. they didn't have time for communication with them anymore. So, maybe that, maybe leaving that kind of atmosphere takes a toll on a person. Maybe. Yeah, I think too, I think like the base of like the punk movement is very like loose and fast, and yeah. bands are formed really quickly and break up really quickly, and mm-hmm. and it's just this really weird like ethereal mix of like people coming together making music breaking up going to other other bands or whatever but it's always about it's always about just you know making the music playing it hard and fast and like just enjoying the moment yeah enjoying especially the live experience of it right and i think that's different than most like musical subgenres that basically want to do it to make it they want to do it just to do it for themselves and their like small group of fans or small group of people that they want to inspire either politically or socially or whatever mm-hmm. right so i think it's just it's like a different move it's like a different movement for them than most genres it's like a it's almost like like a social movement of sorts where like people band together for some common cause and then once that cause is they believe is achieved they just go their separate ways yeah almost like a right. mob or something right, right. and like on that going their separate ways thing, I was thinking about this. Like, I don't want to make a blanket statement about punk, but it seems to me like punk is really for, um, like probably older teenagers, young adults, and the whole part of thing that is you don't fully understand the world yet. Like, a lot of punk is really just kind of you want to change the world, but then sometimes when you get older you have different views of what you had from years ago so then mm. you're just stuck you're, you basically break up with those ideals and you go I don't want to do this anymore because that's not what I think anymore right it's funny because um, I think I've talked about it before on my show but I uh, I have a coworker actually who's like crazy into punk music and He's like, I guess there's a subgenre of punk called straight edge, where basically they they don't smoke, they don't drink, they don't. They're like the opposite of basically they do that because they it's it's kind of an interesting logic. They don't do any of that stuff like smoking or drinking because they are like, well, society tells us that this is what we should do <laughs> to, to be cool. That's funny. If you want to be cool, you do this. So they're just like, screw that, we're not going to do this. Right. So it's like, but. He's like totally straight edge that way and vegan and everything. It's hilarious. Wow. But <laughs> vegan, he's like metal. crazy into punk and he's 36 years old. Oh, wow. But he, he grew up in Brazil and there it's much more socially conscious than sadly than we are here. So that like stuff like that is like crazy huge down there hmm. because the people are so socially minded because they <laughs> there's a lot of corruption down there. Um, it makes America look 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 sane, and uh, it's just funny because he's like encyclopedic with that kind of stuff. I, mm. Too bad we didn't have him on the show. Yeah, but uh, there's still time. Yeah, really. <laughs> he's probably <laughs> doing freelance right now. But um, yeah, just random aside. Cool. So, but yeah. Okay, um, now you can get to the next song, Kyle. Sorry. Yay. <laughs> 
Finally. Um, okay, so, yeah, next song in our list of people that we actually have information about, and I don't just make bland, random <laughs> random <laughs> mentions of, right. is uh, Patrick Hernandez. He uh, had an album in 1979 called Born to be Alive, and the famous song off that album is the title track, Born to be Alive. Um, Patrick Hernandez is actually a French singer who had a worldwide hit with this song, and, but he was born to a Spanish family, I guess the hence the Hernandez. Hmm. Uh, and he grew up in the 60s, where he was really interested in music, he toured dance halls and ballrooms of Spain and southern France with a number of different groups over the, over between the late 60s and 70s, and eventually met his musical partner, I'm probably going to butcher this name, Hervé Thollens, uh, who was an arranger, guitarist, and vocalist. And so the two of them band together to form this duo. They um, band together to form a band. <laughs> <Pray to. laughs> and um, they started started to achieve like some local success with um, with different other French musicians like Francis Cabrel and Laurence. Zo- I can't say French names. Vosley. Vo- <laughs> um, and I guess uh, they had a little bit of local success, but obviously nothing major. And they didn't actually like cut any albums of their own. They kind of just, you know, did stuff with these other with these other uh, musicians. Mm-hmm. But in 1978, Hernandez met uh, this producer, Jean Valno, uh, who was big into disco music at the time uh, during its peak in the late 70s. And Valno signed to do a recording contract where he went and cut this album, Born to Be Alive. Um, and I guess they recorded it in Waterloo, Belgium. Interesting place. Mm. Uh, has a lot of bad connotations because mm-hmm. of Napoleon and all that. But, um, yay for Napoleon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they cut this album, Born to be Alive. It it was one of those, I mean, I don't think any era of music has produced more one-hit wonders than disco. <laughs> which, that, that might be pro- true. That, that could probably be an interesting, well, an interesting discussion by itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, he had the song, Born to be Alive. Um disco one-hit wonder that ended up becoming a one-album wonder and he's cool because he's spanish slash french so yay cool fun fact disco t- came from the french word discotheque which means music room or music theater hmm. it's basically like what they call record stores interesting mm-hmm. so fun facts this is, um this is a pretty good song too i mean i would yeah, i wouldn't I like say it. i like it quite as much as some of the others but i still enjoy it I like itself. It. It yeah. good stuff good stuff Kind of but catchy. yeah, I think a couple. I think a good amount of these that we found were actually from that sort of disco era too. So yeah, late seventies ish. Uh, so that's a that's a good point. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Question, Peter, because I was try- kind of thinking of this in the back of my head, but I thought I was probably wrong. Did Andrea okay. True Connection only do one album, or did she do? Multiple? Um, I think she, she had a couple, but only curse one her. Had I think she? I want to say she had three or four. Because um, she's like, she's the epitome of a one hit wonder. Exactly, but like none of the, none of the other ones ever did anything. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's that and that's and that's a good point. Uh, we discussed this a little bit earlier. Is like even in something like disco, these these bands or these people that are one hit wonders and they have one successful song off one album that they make, be it their first album or whatever, mm-hmm. they they never just be like, okay, I'm done, washing my hands now. They always are trying to reproduce that success because either. You know, they want to be more famous or more rich or whatever the reason may be, yeah. or just for the mm-hmm. art form itself. But it's just 
funny to see a band who has a one who has one awesome hit and then it's like boop we're done okay bye usually yeah. I, I i would venture to guess that bands that this happens to don't break up on amicable terms it's probably something more like they made this album but they were horribly you know tumultuous in doing it and didn't get along yeah and they split up and never made an album after that i doubt there's a lot of uh amicable like oh we're just gonna go do our own things now okay bye um uh, yeah although one case I, I might jump around on a list a little bit here yeah. Kyle. um because uh there's a song called we funk the best um by the trio baker harris young also known as bhy um they released their album called bhy in 1979 basically um there's the three guys um from philadelphia who were um like backing musicians for other bands um these were bassist ronald baker guitarist norman harris and drummer earl young so basically these these three guys were kind of the the bass rhythm section for mfsb um who were a big um instrumental philadelphia soul sound band uh in the 70s so these guys all kind of came from that super group on um the philadelphia international label and they kind of branched off and kind of did their own project which was this bhy collaboration um and actually this was kind of this was actually put onto a sub label of philly international uh, which was called golden fleece um and was distributed by cbs records which is now sony music um i can't remember for sure um because it's been a long time since i've kind of done my own research about these guys um but you were saying usually these guys don't end on amicable terms I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I, th- I was. I would agree with that. Um, I think most of the time, they probably get frustrated because they can't make a hit or whatever. So right. They, so they break up. Um, in this case, I might argue that they did. They were fine with it. I think. I want to say that they just felt like making their own collaboration album and just a one-off thing. They weren't really ever planning on being famous with it or doing anything else. I think. I want to say that this is something they did. They just did on the side. For yeah. Fun. That's, um, that's that's kind of what Jose was saying earlier too. Is some band or some bands or some artists kind of just do that. Yeah. Right. They get together, they make something, and it's like, oh, that was nice. It's just a side project. And... Mm-hmm. Right. So I think if you're not taking it really seriously or putting all your effort into it, mm-hmm. um, then you're not really going to expect it to become that famous. Right. So we can just have fun with it. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh. Yeah, yeah. I when I was researching Baker Harris Young, I was like, "Oh, they were part of MFSB. They love acronyms there." <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you want to jump us to another song so we can move along a little bit faster? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, I guess the next one that I I could talk about is um, H.P. Riot. They're retardedly obscure. Uh, this was one of the. Let's ones say that, that one again in a less offensive manner. Okay, <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I no no no. I have handicaps. That's not offensive to me. Okay. Okay. They are. They are demonstratively obscure. They're big words. And right. um, and, <laughs> and um, yeah. They produced one album in 1973, also called H.P. Riot. Big. Uh, the big song off that album is called "I Have Changed," and um, basically the band was named after its uh, San Francisco neighborhood that they that the guys came from. And I guess that um, that area was marred by race riots in the mid-60s during the whole civil rights era. Um, and this is funny because the band, 
has often been confused with being Canadian because they spent so much of their time touring in Western Canada. Probably part of the reason I couldn't find a lot of stuff on them <laughs> hmm. um, is because it's Western Canada. That's and uh, I guess, oh, and because the, the record label they recorded that, Concept Records, was based in Regina, Saskatchewan. Mm. So basically they lived in the Yukon and recorded <laughs> igloo music. They may be um, part of the reason why they didn't end up doing much more. Yeah. Because they yeah. weren't really in a area that was going to uh, nurture that type of music like some yeah. of the other cities they might have gone to. True that. But um, this track, this famous track off this album, I Have Changed, was actually selected for the compilation album California Soul 2, but then the, that full album never got uh, re- released or reissued. Mm. So they could have been, a, at least through, through a compilation album, could have been a two-album two band, but no. <laughs> um, so yeah, this this was one of the ones that like I don't even think the NSA knows about. Um, so I pretty much have very little to go off of except that their name is cool and that yeah. the song is pretty good well do you remember how we discovered this song Kyle maybe you do maybe you don't uh, no okay um, this song was featured in Little Big Planet 2 that's right that's <laughs> this, is PlayStation the my, is, 3. this is the My Patch song right or no well it's no but it's, oh what's it's the My Patch thing. song it's in that. I don't remember. That's a different song. Oh, That's a good darn song it. too. Now I'm sad that this isn't that song. Um, but this was featured in the second in the sequel game, and okay, I, I, remember, I remember hearing it and thinking, "Oh, that's pretty funky." And then I looked mm-hmm. up. I'm gonna <laughs> this song right now. Um, so yeah, that's a good game too. If you like stuff. Oh yeah, that song. Yeah. Um, I swear they need to have like a little big planet like. Uh, soundtrack because there was a lot of good stuff in that game. Yeah, they had a lot of good music. Mostly just so I can have recordings of uh, what's his face, Stephen Fry, talking. <laughs> yeah, talking, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll just keep kind of going down our list a little bit. Uh, some more more stuff that we found. Go for it. Um, one uh group is the Quad City DJs, uh, who made the song "Get Up and Dance" in 1996. No, actually, no. Excuse me, that was the name of the album. Um. Get up and get on up and dance in 1996. Uh, the name of the song they made was actually called uh, "Come On and Ride It" in parentheses the train. Um, and if you don't know, actually Quad City DJs were also well known, probably more well known for this than anything else, was making the theme song to Space Jam. Um, so, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I mean, which, which is an amazing song. But, um, I don't know whether that was actually on this album or not. I don't think it was. No, I, I trust they, me, I looked because I yeah. would have totally bought this album if it was. Yeah, I think <laughs> I want to say they made this one album, and they may have done like a couple other songs beyond that, but they never actually made a second album. So. Yeah, they never made a full second album. They just recorded that song for Space Jam because they were popular in 1996 in Space when Jam. that movie Space came Space. out. I think they came out in 90. Yeah, it was around that. Um, yeah. but. Now I'm sad that we're not playing that song. <laughs> Come on in, Jack. You know what? Hell, I'm just going to add that to the list just because it's awesome. Okay. So you guys can listen to it in the playlist below this. <laughs> um, a little bit about the Quad City DJs. Um, it was actually a music artist and producer duo consisting of two guys named CC Lemonhead and Jay Ski. Um, in 96, um, they formed the Quad City DJs and produced this single, uh, Come On and Ride at the Train which was actually based on a sample of Barry White's 1974 song, Theme from Together Brothers. Um, this song, Come On and Ride It, 
uh, was actually very successful and it peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and was certified platinum. So this is the first song we've seen in this list where the song itself actually became very popular. I mean, number yeah. three is great and the certified platinum. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, they also, and then after they made this song, they went ahead and made a full album to kind of support it, um, which was Get Out Up and Dance. Um, the album itself peaked at number 31 on the Billboard Hot 200. It was also certified platinum. So even the album itself did pretty well. I mean... Yeah, this is this is one of the couple ones that we found that actually like had a really successful album and then didn't do anything after that. Yeah, in a case like that, it's actually a bit more of a mystery of any if of anything really, um, what happened to them? Because mm-hmm. I mean, they were making music that was that that type of music was popular at the time, and they did a very good job at it, obviously. So uh, my question is kind of like, what happened to them? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not like oh, we weren't popular. I mean, they were so. <laughs> yeah, it, ba- sad thing. I think that's why, because yeah, I'm looking here on um, Wikipedia, and there is nothing. It doesn't even say how they broke up. It just says later in 1996, the group contributed to the Space Jam soundtrack, <laughs> including the theme song, which awesomely <laughs> peaked at number 37. Nice. And that's pretty much it. Then they just faded into nothing. That's so weird because mm. you, because I mean, when you think about it, um, something I was gonna bring up actually, I'll just bring it up now, is that. A lot of bands, um, I want to say it was Cool in the Gang, maybe, Kyle, where they didn't even break into mainstream success until their, like, eighth album. Yeah. So, you mm-hmm. think about, in some cases, it may take you years and before you even become, mm-hmm. you know, even somewhat mm-hmm. well-known for your music. And these guys did it, like, basically in their first song, let alone mm-hmm. making the album after that. Yeah. And it's, it's, so it kind of surprises me a, a bit that they didn't keep going. Seriously. I think, I think probably pretty much like the epitome of that is this next artist that I found, Lauren Hill, mm-hmm. who has the album The Miseducation of Lauren Hill in 1998. She sang that insanely popular song that was everywhere in the 90s, uh, doo-wop, parentheses, that thing. <laughs> it's one of those ones where I guarantee you've heard it, even if you don't know who sang it. Um, but this was her debut solo album um, and that she released in 98 with uh, Rough House Records, and base, I guess she was originally with the group the, Fu- the Fugees, so I guess this is kind of one of those side project things we could probably say, but this was even more popular than anything the Fugees did. Okay. Um, I think we talked about the Fugees before, didn't we, DePeter? No. I'm not sure. We might have. Okay, we should, if not. Um, and yeah, after she left the Fugees, she met uh, this guy, Rohan Marley, and she became impregnated with his child for some reason because I guess that's what you do. How did that happen? <laughs> well, you see, when a mother and a, when a mother and a father love each other very much, um, so I guess the pregnancy as well as other circumstances kind of basically inspired her to c- release this uh, solo record that would eventually come, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Huh. Released this record, huge famous record, huge famous song. Um, let me just double check my facts, but I think it was like probably number one for a while. Hmm. And let me see. Blah, blah, blah. Fuji's. No one cares. Uh, Is that what it says? <laughs> no. Yes, it says, it says the Fuji's. Who cares? Um, it says that things happened and oh. The, the record sold 8 million copies in the U.S. and 12 wow. million copies worldwide. 
Uh, so that tells you how popular it was just right there. Uh, do out that thing de- debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Wow. So big stuff for her. And yeah, and then she made this album, and then she did like this sad little like MTV Unplugged album, which doesn't even really count because it's just her stuff live. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I guess MTV Unplugged was like really huge in the 90s for some reason. Uh, like because probably because Nirvana made it famous. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, and she did that, and then like nothing else after that. Like she. Basically, I think she got involved in like some bad stuff, and also she tried to like start an acting career, uh. which she actually was pretty decent. She was in Born Identity, The Matrix Reloaded, The Mexican, so she had like a really? decent acting career. Huh. But I don't know if it was a matter of being too focused on that, or just well, not being able to reproduce that hit. But she never did anything after that. That's and too then, bad. And then I remember seeing that she was in the news like a year or two ago because of tax fraud oh really she basically didn't pay taxes for like a whole bunch of years and the <laughs> government's like yeah you should do that and she ended up uh she paid him back but she ended up going to jail for like six months oh jeez, because mm-hmm. of it well the thing that kind of stood out to me is as a reason that well i guess she sounds like she's got her own other issues as well the thing mm-hmm. that stood out to me was that she made this album while she was pregnant so mm-hmm. Obviously, that kid's gonna come along, and she's not really gonna have time to have a full-on music career yeah. when she's a mom. So, yeah, I'm it, sure that at least in the immediate sense, I'm sure that's what kind of what kept her from doing anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like she kind of had some other issues as well. As I mean, but also maybe changing her focus into acting. It sounds like. Um, yeah, like it's it sounds it sounds to me that a lot of it was just kind of the pressure of fame. Yeah, kind of overwhelmed her, and she didn't really like the whole everything that came along with being famous. She just wanted to make music, kind and she of didn't like want people to adore her for it. <laughs> yes, but yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right, Peter. I think it was a combination of that and the fact of she ended up having multiple children with this uh, with this dude, Rohan Marley. Hmm. Uh, I wonder if he's related to Bob Marley. Let's find out. Because <laughs> everyone named Marley is related. Yeah. Oh, he is the son of Ricky Curtis, Bob Marley. <laughs> Not even kidding. Nice. <laughs> okay. All awesome. Right. Well, I, I, I'm not a terrible stereotyping person, at least. Um, <laughs> well, you are, but that's true. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, but not in this case. Um, um, so cool. that makes things interesting. Uh, so yeah, they made a bunch of little awesome Marley babies, and <laughs> now they can make they a Marley formed, baseball team. They formed a traveling. <laughs> they formed a traveling family band. Cool. No, they didn't. But yeah, she uh, she like did a she, she did a couple songs here and there. Like she does she did a song for that movie Passion of the Christ. But oh, and then okay. she obviously was in some of those acting movies, so she had a bit of an acting career. Mm-hmm. But it's just so funny because that song was like as big as the Macarena. I think it was huge. Mm. Oh wow! Like, it, it was one of those songs that I associate with the '90s when I hear it. Yeah, mm. it's a good song. That, I really like that. It. That and the Space Jam song. <laughs> <laughs> Both of which you'll hear on our playlist, which you'll listen to shortly after mm-hmm. listening to this episode. Um, Unless you really, really hate us. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you hate us, you can still listen to the music. Hopefully, you'll yeah. It's, it's probably it's it's better than us talking. So, um, one thing I want to mention really quick is that um, one one thing that kind of reminded me that we wanted to talk about this topic was in our last episode we mentioned uh, the avalanches. Yes. Who released? I want to say it was their self-titled album in 2001. Um, I, 
if I remember correctly. And since then, everyone's been waiting, like, when are you going to make your next album? And it's never happened. So for the moment, they are one who uh, have only made one album for whatever reason. I'm not really sure why. But theoretically, they could make another one in the future. And mm-hmm. any any of these groups, most of these groups are not, or people are not really performing anymore. Um, so that's not really an option. But for someone like them, theoretically, it could happen eventually. Yeah. But it's already been what 13 years or some something since then, so it's probably not going to happen. Um, yeah, they've they've released like little tidbits here and there throughout the last decade of like, oh, we're doing stuff, don't worry, and then nothing. Yeah. It's like the heartbreak me and Dan went through with when we discovered Gooch Mob. They had oh, yeah. a premiere album, and then they announced they announced a new album like six months after their first album came out, and then we had to wait another two and a half or three years <laughs> for that to ever materialize because they just kept teasing it and teasing it. But they did release it, right? Yeah, they did. They okay. are now officially a two-album band. Yeah. But it's just funny because it's like, do it already. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's... It's so funny to like see these like one album, one hit wonders, and just kind of wonder really what happened <laughs> to them. Right. Wonder with a Wonder Ball. Yeah. Speaking of nineties, do you guys 90s. remember Wonder Balls? Yeah. yeah. Wonder Balls were awesome until they banned them because kids are stupid. We're choking on the right. stickers or something. Well, I guess they still have them in Germany. They just call them like kin- Kinder Balls. Wonder Balls. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically <laughs> something like that. Yeah, oh, I remember. Was, well, we'll have crazy. to go to Germany and uh, go get some wunderballs. Some yeah. wunderballs, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that pretty much sums up all the artists we intended to talk about. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jose, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we um, wrapped it up? Well, there was something I was thinking about because it's kind of one of those um things of well, why haven't they released a second album yet? Right. But although this band is more particularly new and they're in the mainstream, it's the Imagine Dragons. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They have only have one album release, and they become a huge hit. Like, this is one of those bands where I'm going, like, why is this popular? Like, I like the songs, but considering, like, what's a lot of stuff that's popular on the radio, I didn't associate that with Imagine Dragons. But I'm happy they're popular. But they haven't released a second album, and... From what I've read, it doesn't seem like they're in a hurry to do that. When it's was their first weird. album? Uh, let's see here. Their first album is uh, Night Visions. Let me check. It was in 2012. Okay. So it's only yeah. been a couple years. Yeah, it's only we'll been a couple years. It's like one of those things like maybe it's so much that they don't feel they're in a rush to do it or it could be something with the higher ups. Yeah. Because when it's something like this, I like when it's something that's popular and will obviously sell more if you do more, it makes me think of uh, a show that's, well, it's currently airing in the U.S., but it came out last year, like Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. That show was insanely popular last year, and but there was no announcement for more episodes after 24 episodes. Mm. There's usually an announcement for a second season, but this didn't have anything. You go like, well, why not? It's immensely popular. Could it be budgeting or they didn't feel it was popular enough or it could be a whole bunch of different factors yeah exactly yeah i watched uh watched through the first season on netflix and it's it's good i like it it's one of those yeah. like cliff cliffhanger type shows like right it's like the anime version of lost but uh mm-hmm. but uh yeah i i kind of like was thinking that too i'm like 
okay, like, I didn't hear, I, the only reason I even discovered the show, because on Reddit, someone mentioned, like, hey, this anime show is really good, I, I don't even, like, I'm not even a fan of anime, and I like the mm-hmm. show, so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna check it out, and, like, in looking, I'm like, there's, I didn't hear anything about, oh, season two is coming out whenever next year, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe it didn't do well. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's funny because I'm I'm one of those people who is an anime fan, so I knew about it before. But I listen to various other podcasts, and hearing them bring it up, especially people who don't watch a lot of anime, mm-hmm. um, who these people are, it's really interesting to see how much of a reach it has. And even with the English dub that's currently being released here on um, American TV, it still may be up in the air because I saw a tweet yesterday from like the Toonami panel. One of the things was that season two will, there may be a season two if ratings are high enough, which I got a little bit confused about. Like, is Japan doing what is a season two, or do they mean by season two as the back twelve episodes? Because they, I think they have the full series dubbed, but they're releasing them on DVD as in part one, episodes one through twelve, and then part two, episodes um thirteen through twenty five. Yeah, that's that's odd. I mean, I don't know. I my only thought process maybe it wasn't as popular there as it is here. Or I don't even know. Right. Because it did end and, up on Netflix. So. Yeah, and another one thing that made me think about it is budget. Because if you look at the show, it is beautifully animated, and there are big action sequences in just about every episode. Mm. But if you know anything about anime budgets, that kind of stuff gets expensive. You don't see that a lot in action anime usually see them doing cheats or the lines or just passing through these are very, this is a very detailed show and i part of me is thinking like maybe it was just too expensive for them to do a season two but that's yeah. like the only thing that's going through but my if, mind but if season one is popular enough then they would be able to get that bigger budget usually of course. that's how that works but if it wasn't as pop- popular in japan maybe as it was here then that might not allow that to happen mm-hmm. but uh yeah, that's that's something we should talk about some other time, Peter. I guess kind of going to that same idea is like mm. bands that are way more popular in other countries than the U.S. Right. Yeah. Actually, you know, um, I would say probably a lot of disco is. is oh yeah. Oh, of course. Like, yeah. um, uh, what's that band we always talk about, Peter? Um, the ones that did Rasputin. Boney M. Yes. Although aren't they German? So that yeah. Count. Well. Count. Oh, like their it has to be their country of origin is. Well, I guess it wouldn't have to. Mm-hmm. I guess it wouldn't have to necessarily be. Um, but I don't. I know too. I was thinking that movie, Waiting for Sugarman, that oh, yeah. famous Motown guy who like basically went nowhere here in the U.S. but became crazy popular in I think like South Africa or something. Mm. Right. Um, and that was a really good documentary. I sad I heard just the other week that the director killed himself. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess he was battling with depression or something. So it's wow. a shame. But uh. Really, really good documentary. It's a shame that obviously he couldn't do more. But yeah. you guys should go watch that too if you have a love for funk and soul. Or just music in general. <laughs> you know what's a show? I'm going to bitch about this again. Kai, you've heard me bitch about this before. Probably. Um, what show I really like, they only made one season of, and they're not going to bring it back, was yes. Tron, Up- Tron Uprising. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing show. I thought it was really I keep well done. That's good. Um, but... I still need to watch it. I would recommend it. I think it was really well put together. And it's very... It's not for kids, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the themes get kind of dark throughout. Right. It's pretty good. Um, 
But they only made one season of it, and they never brought it back. But they never officially canceled it, so I don't know. Wasn't that more to yeah. do with the fact that the studio, the animation studio itself, downsized than anything to do with the show itself? It might have been. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure. I thought like that branch of the Disney Animation Studio, one that does like those uh, TV cartoons, basically like they kind of dissolved it, and that was why yeah, it's that sounds ended up not coming back. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was so much the popularity of the show; it was just a business move by Disney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Disney is um, which is still a shame, and I don't know if they would ever bring it back or through some other fashion. But I know they're still saying supposedly they're going to work on a sequel to the movie. So yeah, because right. well, I think part of the reason they made the show was obviously in the in the hopes to the, to kind of keep that um, franchise going. Yeah, between yeah. movies, but they it's been I don't know how many years now since the first four three. Yeah, four. it's been a while mm-hmm. since they made another movie, and they were originally going to yeah. make like a trilogy, right? Yeah, or right. something. So, because the first movie didn't it make like three hundred million dollars or something? It, it, it made, made some ridiculous it, amount of money. It, it definitely made enough for a sequel. Yeah, so I don't really know right. what happened. Well, well, I also think the that the resurgence of Tron also happened with uh, with it randomly appearing in Kingdom Hearts two. Hmm. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, like because that, that was before like even announcements of Tron Legacy was coming out. I think. Okay. Interesting. So, people kind of had that inkling before the movie even came out they're like oh what's disney doing with this yeah but uh yeah it's it's funny though because i guess going off that whole like when's the movie gonna come out they were gonna do a sequel to avatar the blue oh, people yeah. one, the blue oh. people movie and yeah, i guess that. well no i guess james cameron announced like a month or two ago that the plans on parts two and three coming out in 2016 and 2017 okay so yeah, that keeps getting pushed back <laughs> But I'm just like, yeah, the first one came out of what, 2010, I think? Something like that, yeah. So six yeah. or seven years away for the sequel seems like a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah really. I hate, okay, am I the only one that hates when they do this? Because a lot of movies I've noticed have do this, where one movie is really successful, and then they're like, oh, we got to make the rest of them. But then the second two movies in the trilogy come out like really close to each other. They did that with The Matrix, they did that with Lord of the Rings. I think Back to the Future this. is like that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they always do that. They're like, oh, we have plenty of time to make the other two. So then they release the other two, like, back-to-back. Like, within a year or something. Yeah. I hate like that. Like the Silence it... of the Lamb sequels? Yeah. Yeah, they did, um... What? what did Red Dragon, Dragon was okay. Yeah, it was... Uh... But, um... Yeah, I always thought that was so odd. I'm like, why did studios choose to do that? Like, to just keep the hype going? So it's like, oh... Here's Probably the second be, one. They, it might be because they can consolidate some of the cost if they make them at the... Because I know these are Back to the Future, they right. make them at the same time. And yeah. I'm, they probably do it with other ones, too. So they can kind of consolidate some of those costs. Probably. And, because they probably know, to some extent, it's not going to make a huge amount of money. So and, oh, they yeah. can kind oh. of cut their losses a little bit. It yeah. also could do with yeah. uh, contracts. Because um, yeah. like a lot of the stuff we're talking about is probably copyrighted because it's from another source. And the studio wants to keep that contract. I mean, that's why we got the Mark Webb Spider-Man movies. It's because Sony was about to lose its deal with Spider-Man, so they need to make a movie in order to keep the contract. And I think it <laughs> just had an also... image of Sony having an actual deal with Spider-Man himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's because, like, I know it sounds funny, but like, tons of people want them to sell back Spider-Man to Marvel, or at least them make a deal. But how many people out there in the world? have the ability to tell Mickey Mouse no. To tell <laughs> them we're not giving you what you want. Yeah. True. 
true. Yeah. Like, if you had that power, you'd tell the most powerful company yeah. in the world, no, you would abuse that's, it. That's why they're never going to get X-Men back either, because X-Men, yeah. well, this new movie is now successful, so they're just like, sweet, something we could keep out of Disney's hands. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to, like, make that their Avengers, basically, is the whole X-Men and the Spider-Man franchise. Mm-hmm. Well, I- I'm not sure about that. Like, I haven't seen the newest um, X-Men film, but I know um, I- X-Men just... is owned by a different company. They're not owned by Sony? Who are they owned by? No, they're owned by Fox. That's right. Oh, Fox yeah. is evil. I don't like them. Yeah, which is why I was weirded out at the end of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I'm not going to spoil anything, but a mid credit singer is a preview to X-Men Days of Future Past. Really? Yeah. Huh. Maybe Fox and Sony are in talks? I don't... That's That would be weird. Maybe it could be interesting. And plus, I've heard, like, rumors of that they secretly sold back the... Spider-Man rights to Marvel, but I don't, but I don't buy into all that until I see something that's like in writing of like Marvel saying yes, we did this, and Sony saying yeah, we did this. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Studios mm-hmm. are weird. Yeah. But uh, you know what's not yeah. weird is what? liking our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash. <laughs> yeah. Best best ending segue ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um. Yeah, we should probably wrap up. It's like. It's close to an hour here. Yeah. Um, so like I said, facebook.com slash getyourfunk. You can like our Facebook page. And a uh, lot of people have lately because we're awesome. That's we true. We like doubled our funky listeners because we spread the funky word, I guess. I don't and know. And so did you funky <laughs> listeners, probably. Not. <laughs> <laughs> you guys so, so You're terrible. so optimistic, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what else we got? I think we're still down on iTunes uh, for the time being, I believe. Sadness. Um, but we'll let you know when we're back up on there. Mm-hmm. And where else are we? I think we have a Spotify thing, but we're not really doing that anymore. Because it's all on YouTube, so yeah. don't bother. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, as soon as this episode is over, I think if you're listening to it on YouTube, it'll just shift right over into uh, the songs in full that we talked about in this episode that you can listen to mm-hmm. and get your own understanding of these bands who released the one album. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Uh I think that's it for me. Yep. Um, thanks for joining us, Jose. Um, do you want to plug your podcast again one more time? Uh, sure. Um, my podcast that I mainly work on is on is Couch po- or not Couch Potatoes. It's Celluloid Critics. Our latest episode, me and Matt from the Super Circuit talked about Godzilla, the mm-hmm. whole history behind Godzilla and the newest movie that came out. And on uh, Couch Potatoes, I edit that and I guess on that. Like, this last episode, I guess start to talk about Attack on Titan. Mm. And just one quick note on that, if you're interested in the show at all, this coming Saturday's episode is really the episode to get in on. Okay. Cool. You guys are going to talk about it again? <laughs> I'm not sure. It, 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 this, this is episode five. People who have seen the show know episode five. So... Mm. It's probably it's gonna be a big episode because I'm just gonna say it does a lot of stuff that a lot of anime doesn't dare to do. Interesting. Well, we hope you listeners tune into that as well. <laughs> Yay! As well as joining us next time on Funk Radio, yeah. wherein we will talk about more of your favorite Funker hits. Uh, at this moment, we don't know what we will be talking about, but you might listen to it when it happens. Funk Radio. We do everything last minute. that's sort of true yeah that's our tagline (laughs) one of many instead of the last word it's the last minute yeah exactly (laughs) 
Um, alright, well, I think that wraps it up for today. Okay, bye. We love you, Laters. If you want to hear more awesome podcasts like this one, visit hcn.tv. Thanks for listening.